Hello, welcome to series two of Shooting Azimuths, a podcast chiefly devised to allow me to chat to the people I admire the most in education. This series features the speakers who will be addressing the Embley Education Conference that takes place on the 14th of April. To find out more about the conference and to book your place, please visit www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference. In today's episode, I talk to Karen Wesbisa. Karen is an education researcher and is currently the Chief Operating Officer of TeacherTap. During the pandemic, Karen led the creation of the specialist offer for Oak National Academy. Karen was awarded an MBE in 2021 for services to children with special educational needs. Oh, hello, Karen. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. So, um, firstly, I guess it's getting my imposter syndrome out of the way. Um, I, I'm not a teacher and I have never been a teacher. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I'm quite sad about it now, actually, in my 40s. I, have, I, I really kind of wish I was, but uh, my degree was in education um, and uh, between you and me and, and our listeners, it, yeah. it kind of uh, put me off of uh, going into the classroom. Um, it was education studies. and We did lots of research projects and learning about curriculum and schools in England and elsewhere. Um, and it gave me a love for research and for education, but not, uh, <laughs> not a desire to be in the classroom myself. Not have a chalk face. No. no. Um, so I went off um, from university and uh, joined the National Foundation for Education Research, which has been a big part of my career and where I've really learned a lot about how to do research and how to be an applied researcher. Um, and, and now I am the COO, the Chief Operating Officer at TeacherTap. Fantastic. Um, we'll probably come um, come back to TeacherTap later on in the conversation, but for now, I'm very interested, uh, Karen, in, in your interest in research. And why do you think that research is important for us teachers? Um, it's really interesting because actually a lot of the research that I did, certainly at the start of my career in the, sort of the 2000s, was much more about systems research um, about you know how many TAs we should have in classrooms okay. or uh, about whether um, different government policies um, should be implemented and how they were working. So one of the first things I remember evaluating was um, a, a government project called Creative Partnership, mm -hmm. which is putting uh, arts partners into schools and we were looking at how that was working and it, it was really interesting. But it wasn't ever talking about what teachers should do it was always mm -hmm. about what government should do and what government thinks ought to happen mm -hmm. um and then uh it was around uh 2012 um i went and left uh education research for a couple of years and i went and worked at the bbc um and i was doing research into uh the media um in different countries around the world um and I really missed education research. So I, mm -hmm. I came back to it after a couple of years away. 
And this revolution had happened, and kind of starting with research ed and the chartered college, both of those things kind of grew around that time, a real drive from teachers to know more about how this thing called teaching actually works and what the science of it is and how children's brains are working. And I think that that is so interesting. And I, I, I kind of almost regret a time we spent thinking so much about systems. And we still do it a lot when we talk about, you know, whether multi-academy trusts or local authority maintained schools are, are the better way to run the system. What, yeah, are, the, what, what are the downsides of that kind of thinking? Well, there's no downside because it's how it's organised. It's how money flows. It's what politicians talk about. You don't really want politicians talking about how best to teach English phonics, dare I say. I was going to say you should tell that some of the politicians. (laughs) (laughs) So let let them talk about systems and how to organise things. Um, But I think it's right that the research that interest teachers a lot of the time is about how to be a better teacher how to be a better practitioner what we know about the brain and how that can influence learning Um, and that's whilst we don't do brain science at teacher tap it's closer to what we do we take the voices of teachers on the ground and share that Mm. and share what what's important to them on a day-to-day basis whether that's behavior or send or uh, any little thing what 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 type of board pen is best <laughs> that that's what we focus on on teacher tap rather than too much around systems but teachers in my experience teachers are very often are very often focused on their own experience and and like you say with the, the advent of chartered college and research ed um, the interest in research wasn't always patently obvious this is something that's happened in the past in the past I don't know, five years, six years, maybe. Yeah. Um, so why, why, why should somebody who thinks I know everything already, I know how my classroom works, why should mm-hmm. that person take an interest in what research finds about what works best in education? Yeah, I, I think that's a really fair challenge. And what I've always said to teachers when I've run like courses on how to do research and stuff is that we're all innately research is you know when you go to the supermarket and you choose which can of beans to buy or Mm. or what maybe on a slightly grander scale you know what car to buy you do the research you ask other people about their experiences you build on your own experience you you know maybe this isn't a massive sample size um but you are using skills just general life skills to to make decisions about how best to do things and you don't need to be talking about beans anymore you could be talking about how to order your lesson or mm. how to arrange your seating plan um there might be research out there on that and you might like to read that as part of your investigation you might like to talk to colleagues and, and that's valid as well and, and we could if we wanted to label that research too becoming interested in in research stopped me from reinventing the wheel every time it's that's mm-hmm. what I, that's that's where i personally found very useful just to just to look at what's worked in other places and then i may decide that actually that wouldn't work here at least i can make that informed decision as to what would work in my setting and when it comes to school leaders karen why should school leaders pay attention to research yeah i think 
in a lot of ways, it's more important for school leaders to be looking at the research than the classroom teachers. We know classroom teachers, it's a really busy full-time job. Um, head teachers have a bit more headspace, perhaps, to be thinking about these things. And they have a bit more of a responsibility when it comes to implementation. So making choices, perhaps, about organisation of the curriculum or organisation of the school day. These things, there is a, a good body of research about. Um, and I think you're right that drawing on what's gone before can stop you reinventing the wheel um, and help you at least hedge your bets in a really good way about good ways to run your school. Okay, fantastic. Now, earlier, I think you were underselling yourself tremendously, you know, when you mentioned imposter syndrome. Okay, you may not have worked in, in, in as a teacher, but you've I mean, you have huge experience in education. You, you've, you were a trustee. Um, you, you, you had a hand in the Oak Academy over during the COVID years as well, and and of course you've gained an MBE on the work on the back of your work with um, special educational needs and and and, and disabilities. So, so okay, from <laughs> from that perspective, given your experience in education, what kind of leader would you say you are? Um, I tell you what type of leader I hope I am. <laughs> you might have to ask those around me about. Oh, perhaps that's a better I question. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I hope I aim to be quite inclusive and to be quite open and to be quite. Oh, does everyone say they want to be an honest leader, an authentic leader? Um, you know, taking for example my work at Oak. Um, it was. Uh, what I was doing during the pandemic was putting together the uh, specialist offer for Oak. So pulling together the, the, the curriculum for children who are normally in special schools. Um, and as we've mentioned, I'm not a teacher, let alone a teacher in a special school uh, or have written any sort of curriculum for a special school or any other school before. Um, so what it was doing, and I think this is what I try to do in a lot of my leadership roles, is bringing together people um so people that I know who are leaders in special schools people I know who have written curriculum and bringing those people together facilitating those discussions um and making making stuff happen so my my current job title is chief operating officer which means more or less nothing <laughs> we can be honest no one really knows what one of these people does um but my informal job title is I'm the person in the company who makes stuff happen, happen. Yeah. so there's other people around me other great leaders who have who are real like idea generators or big strategy thinkers um but they often are starters rather than finishers on projects and I can come in with my Gantt charts and with all of these different relationships and bring it together and deliver it. So that's kind of my expertise at the moment. Oh, and when you look up, what kind of qualities do you value in, in a leader? Yeah, I love working with smart people. Um, so Teacher Tap, I, I'm just in heaven. So Laura McInerney and Professor Becky Allen founded Teacher Tap and they are the most amazing women. Quite 
like intimidatingly <laughs> amazing in the kind of breadth of their knowledge of the world of education. It, it's brilliant. So clever people are obviously great people to work with, but also something you don't always get with clever people is good communicators. I was going to um, say, because they're not always good to work <laughs> not with. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so people who can remember stuff about you as a person so leaders who recognize that they're leading people not just businesses or organizations or schools or targets or whatever yeah. yeah so one of one of my favorite memories is um being summoned into the dfe um when uh, sir david carter was the national schools commissioner um and we had stuff to talk about about systems research and all of that mm -hmm. type of thing but before we got into that, he remembered my kids' names. He noticed I'd had my hair cut. You know, he knew me as a person. We probably only met like once or twice before, but he knew me as a person. And I think that's what makes a really great leader. That, that's what I envy. I've, I've worked with some really excellent head teachers, and I really envy the way that they walk around the school and they know not just everybody's name, but everybody's relatives' names and the <laughs> yes. siblings and, and the mothers and what the mothers do for a living. And, <laughs> It's just incredible, and, and sometimes I, I I dream that I might uh, one day I might develop that kind of brain, but uh, but no, like you, I feel rather intimidated in the presence of uh, uh, rather brilliant people. Um, fantastic. Uh, listen, Karen, we're going to go for a little break now. Hello, everyone. I'm Cliff Canning, headmaster at Embley, a wonderful school in stunning grounds near Romsey in Hampshire. On the 14th of April, we'll be hosting our annual education conference. I'm very excited to share with you the wealth of knowledge and expertise that our speakers have to offer. The theme of the conference is leadership at every level. And let me tell you, it's not just a catchy slogan, it's a call to action. Leadership is essential in every aspect of our lives, whether it's the classroom, the boardroom or the sports field. And that's why we've brought together some of the most accomplished leaders in the field to share their stories and insights. But don't take my word for it. Have a listen to our podcast and hear for yourself the valuable insights and advice they have to offer. And once you have a sense of that, head across to our website at www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and book your place. I look forward to seeing you. Welcome back. Now, Karen, you mentioned earlier that you are currently the the, the chief stuff up and make maker <laughs> thing, the, the yeah. COO teacher tab, um, which is which is great. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you do there? Yeah. So, uh, for those that don't know, Teacher Tap is a app for teachers. Uh, you download it for free, and at three thirty every day, you get a notification, um, and it pings you through just three questions and they could be about your day about something that's happened in a particular lesson about your opinion on a particular product or approach or anything really education secretary um <laughs> and we take this data um and we share it back with everyone who's answered so when you come back on the app the next day you get mm. to see the results so you get to see <laughs> Am I normal? Yes. Am I a bit of an outlier on this? Because I think that community side of things is is really quite important because, well, you tell me, I haven't been a teacher, but I, I suspect that teaching can be actually quite lonely because you're surrounded by people, but they're not 
adults. They're not they're people not, who no, are the yeah, same thing as you. It can be quite isolating. Yeah. yeah. I, and I'm deputy head now, so I, I, I spend um, about 15% of my time in, in the classroom uh, at the moment. So I don't teach as much as I did earlier in my career. Um, but I remember in those days, I remember days would be just like you enter your classroom for your form registration in the morning and you leave it at, you know, four o'clock in the yeah. in the afternoon and you haven't seen anybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just you've seen lots of lots of children, but hardly yeah. spoken to anybody because your day is so busy. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I think from that perspective, knowing what other people are doing and like you say, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yes. Um, but I suppose another advantage of it is just to see what other people are doing. Again, you know, mm-hmm. that, that aspect, that piece on research that you were talking about earlier. So what, what if you were to sell TeacherTab to, to, to school leaders, why should school leaders take an interest in what TeacherTab does? Uh, well, it's keeping an eye on what's going on. So I think even within school leadership, there's not as many opportunities as you might like to speak to other leaders um, Mm -hmm. and to still answer that am I normal question Mm -hmm. but beyond that we've also just in the last year um, had a bit of a brainwave of how this can be useful for school leaders. Um, Harry Fletcher Wood another amazingly smart person. Massively intimidating character. (laughs) Exactly that's the one (laughs) it's uh, part of the criteria for joining the teacher tab team. (laughs) Um, so he he joined us uh, a little over a year ago um, and he took the idea of what if school leaders wanted to know how their teachers in their school compare to all other teachers. So um, rather than using TeacherTap, we, we got this new thing called school surveys um, and the heads can choose which questions to ask. And we put them out through email. It's not through the app. Um, we put them out through email but what we do use is the national data set that we've been collecting for the last five years on TeacherTap to be able to compare how teachers in your school have answered compared to the national average Um, Mm. and that's been so useful and it's been a really iterative process because we suggest that you don't just do this survey once Mm -hmm. but that you come back a couple of times a year or each term to actually take a piece of information whether it's you know about teachers feedback on safeguarding or behavior or uh well-being to take the feedback that those teachers have provided for you um and to do something about it and then test again so that it's that research cycle of find some information plan your response do your response and then review it and then see how it went yeah so in, in the, you mentioned that you've been collecting data for the last five years. Over this time, what, what are the main elements that come through? What are the, the, the key? Th- the, and there must be something that jumps out at you. More people should be doing this. What is this? Oh, there's so much. Three questions a day for five years. We, we, we're swimming in data. Um, we write a blog each week that uh, is on our website that, that delves into the findings for each week. But I, I did pull out some about head teachers for you because I thought you might ask something yeah, <laughs> along yeah. these lines. Um, just from last week's uh, findings, um, we asked about feelings of sense of accomplishment in your daily work. Um, and we found that heads actually have the greatest sense of accomplishment, which I thought was really quite interesting compared to classroom teachers heads feel each on a daily basis that they that uh that work is bringing them a sense of accomplishment 
they're achieving things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, on the flip side of that, heads also uh, experienced the greatest work-related anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, so we started tracking anxiety about a month before the pandemic started, you know, before anyone knew about the pandemic. So we've been, we were mm -hmm. going to track anxiety, work-related anxiety for completely different reasons. Um, mm -hmm. But it ended up that we asked every day throughout the pandemic and still do ask about how anxious you feel um and heads always always peak higher than classroom teachers um and during the pandemic you saw particular peaks around times of uncertainty so you remember that day in what would it have been january 2021 mm. when like schools opened for one day mm. <laughs> and everyone was like this is crazy I remember it well. yeah. Yeah. that, <laughs> that you, was Morris. one of the most stressful days for head yeah. teachers ever because it's that not being in control, not knowing what to do. And it was a lack of guidance coming down from DFE that stopped heads being able to know what to do and was causing that anxiety. It's a lot of responsibility with heavy accountability as well, because your head is on the, on, on the block, isn't it, if, if things don't go well. There is great value for head teachers to, for, for senior leaders, let, let's widen it to senior leaders, mm -hmm. great value for senior leaders to know what the, the, the teaching body is thinking or the challenges they're facing, I can see how that is going to be very useful to the running of a school. But can it be turned around? Can teachers learn from the pressures that senior leaders face? Yeah, I think so. And, and these are questions that we ask about as well. So we ask about kind of, would you like to be a head teacher? What might be the barriers to being a head teacher? Because I think we know as a sector that there are problems coming down the line with heads retiring and people perhaps not wanting to take on that role so trying to unpick that and understand that and perhaps sharing information like it's such you you can get such a sense of accomplishment from this role you know perhaps these are messages to start sharing more widely and, and to promote about that those benefits of headship as well as some of the stresses that people see so, um, Karen, again, looking at the data you've been collecting, you just mentioned that you can see uh, some problems coming down the line. If you put the, these two things together, what, what are the main challenges that you think schools are going to be facing in the next few years? Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I think a lot of the challenges that people face are not new challenges. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the things that we know teachers find most difficult are for example behavior mm -hmm. um but we've been tracking behavior um consistently over time uh, for the last four or five years and it's not getting a lot worse it's getting a little bit worse but not not the crisis that that mm -hmm. some that some people talk about and it being the reason that everyone's leaving it I don't think it's quite that clear cut I think there's a real value in the longitudinal data and just recognizing that stuff is tough sometimes mm -hmm. it's seasonally tough you know some terms are tougher yeah. feel yeah, yeah. longer than others um and this this kind of feeds through also different roles and different times in your career feel tough so I was looking at some 
some of our findings about behavior. Um, and it, it's another interesting example. It's, it's what I kind of want to unpick when I come in and do the, the talk at your conference mm -hmm. um, about how head teachers or senior leaders and classroom teachers see things a little bit differently despite perhaps mm -hmm. being in the same school. So 65% of head teachers say that the behaviour policy in their school is effective, mm -hmm. but only 25% of classroom teachers say the same. Yeah. So it's just that kind of difference in perception and whether that's the kind of distance that you get from the classroom or more uh, strategic understanding. I, I don't know. I'd love to unpick it with, with the audience about why some of these challenges might exist. Maybe some of it's because the heads were part of authoring some of these policies and ideas. So another example, 64% of heads say that their behaviour policy is clear. Yeah. Um, only 37% of classroom teachers do. Um, and, and one more, 95% of heads say that their uh, behaviour policy is consistently enforced yeah. um, compared to less than half of teachers. Yeah, I so can see how that works, actually. Yeah, yeah the, yeah, the difference is yeah. in perception. And I think, you know, what I'm kind of hoping to unpick in the conference and mm. for people to take away is different ways that they can kind of start to step into other people's shoes. And most nearly all heads were once a classroom teacher yeah. and how you can remember back to that experience about some of those tough times mm -hmm. um, and how you can communicate in your best way to those people you know step back into your former self and think how you would have liked to have received information what information you'd like to have yeah. received and trying um, to make things clear as clear as possible in the knowledge yeah. that it's never going to be clear to everybody I suppose. It, no no but then also to do that with a glass half full attitude, because you can't draw the ladder up behind you. Mm -hmm. um, you can't make this job look so big and scary that no one else ever wants to do it. There's a lot of power in leadership in, in making it an attractive proposition to the right people as well. Although so, I think I think there was a school in Sheffield recently who um, who put an advert on the TES. Did you see that one about? No. Uh, no, yeah, it was an advert on the TES that, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but it says only apply if you're prepared to work really long hours. Um, <laughs> was it a joke? It, no, it wasn't a joke. No, yeah, oh, it no. wasn't a joke. No. I thought it was like some sort of reverse psychology and then they'd be like, if that feels like you, then this job is no, not for you. No, it was. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to be mean to everybody because it was probably very, very well intended, but it felt oh. a little bit Alan Partridge-esque um, <laughs> in the way it was worded and, and 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 so on. But anyway, but listen, Karen, it's been it's been a blast talking to you. Thank you so much. Um, and you've mentioned the conference, so so yes, you are. You, you, we're really looking forward to welcoming you uh, on the 14th of April um, to the Embley Education Conference. So um, I think that's it for, for now. Uh, lovely talking to you, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Shooting Azimuths. Please don't forget to check the Embley Education Conference website www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the next podcast episode is available. Goodbye for now.